0: Hey, this is Tim from Colomunda Church of Christ and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at colomunda.church. You're worthy of all of our praise this morning. Lord, as we just come into your presence and under scripture, God, I ask that you would have your way this morning. God, in our hearts that we'll be soft and ready to hear what it is you have to say. Oh, God, thank you that you are the waymaker. Thank you, Jesus. We just give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we give the worship team a round of applause? I tell you what, it is really hard to come back from a timing issue, but they managed to do it. I'm usually the guy controlling the timing and it hurts. But hey, they got up, they put a smile on their face and they brought worship. So thank you so much, worship team. You guys were amazing. Come on. If we have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Tim. And please, before we go any further... No questions afterwards about the fact that I'm up here and I'm speaking on Father's Day. No, I'm not expecting and I am not a father. And that's not, it's on the horizon, but it's not yet. So before anybody comes up and says, you were speaking on Father's Day, is there something we should know? No, there's not something you should know. Mind your business, shut up. (laughs) Thank you. Today, I'm here speaking on Father's Day, and um, I want to thank all the dads. Can I, um, can we just, I'm going to try something. I want to see if we can get like that really deep, growly hurrah from all the dads. So can I just, um, if you're a dad in the room right now, can I get a hurrah? Ready? Hurrah. Oh, come on. You can do a little bit better than that. I think I heard three people. I saw Rich and I saw Chris do it, but I need a little bit more from this side as well. Ready? Three, two, one. Hurrah. There we go. That's a bit better. Guys, dads, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, first of all. I see all the hard work that goes into being a dad. I know the reason why your knees and your ankles are sore is because it's a lot of hard work being a walking bag carrier for your wife and your kids constantly. And I know that the only reason... The only reason that so much of our brain power is continuously being used and continuously used as dads is because you have to make sure you pick that outfit that makes your kids go, what the heck are you wearing, dad? It takes way too much brain power to walk out of the house and look the way that sometimes you do. Now, I love you all. Some, some of you dress amazing, but some of you, it's, you, I know you do it on purpose. I know you're trying to get your kids to just sigh and mutter a little bit. We've got to keep them on their toes. Am I right? But I also know the only reason that men and fathers start to lose their hair is because you're constantly walking into rooms and pulling your hair out because the light's been left on and nobody is in that blooming room. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Chris, you're losing a bit of hair. The boys, they keep leaving the lights on. It's all the light. It's all the lights. Light. It is good to know, though, that there are some things that do come easy to dads, that it's not all hard work. And I think you all know what I'm referring to. There's one thing that comes easy to every single dad dad jokes who loves a good dad joke I mean the classic dad joke of hi hungry I'm dad or I actually um I, I heard this really good one and it's um I've been working on a carpentry pun that would work I think I nailed it, uh, there, it come on there was like there was a couple seconds like, I thought I was working with bright people here but dad jokes come so easy to some people and unfortunately they come way too easy to some um, I'm going pi- to just point my father out straight away here. <clears throat> we actually, uh, we had to invent a lame meter His jokes were that bad. So Nick had a running lame meter and every time Dad said a lame joke, and a dad joke, sorry, not lame joke, we won't rewrite that yet, but every time he said a dad joke, we had to rate it on the lame meter And the idea was to help him not tell lame dad jokes, but good dad jokes. And so it was kind of like an incentive program to say, you know what, if it rate's really high, say it again. Wear your testing thing so you can say it with your students. The unfortunate thing is dad used it the other way around and all of the lamest jokes kept on getting repeated. So we used this lame that was meant to improve him and it just made him more lame with his dad jokes. But you know, I have noticed with my dad over the past little while, sorry, I'm picking on you a little bit to start off with dad, but that's all right, he can take it. He's got thick skin. But um, I have noticed with my dad, the, la- the dad jokes, lame jokes, dad jokes have actually started to slow down. And I think, I think it's because us as boys, me, Nick, and James, we're starting to mature a little. So because we're starting to mature and um, parentalhood and fatherhood is on the horizon and it's coming closer, um, we, we think like, we're actually starting to kind of inject a little bit of dad joke and a little bit of adult humor with dad. And I think he's actually starting to actually feel some remorse for what he put us through because we're putting him through it himself. He started to realize, my dad jokes do suck. They are lame. Uh, hey, look, I love dad jokes as much as the next guy, and um, I do appreciate them, but dads were super lame. But I am, I'm the first non-dad, I think, to speak on Father's Day in a very long time at this church. And yeah, as I said, not expecting, so don't be going and saying that. But um, I can't speak from, from the perspective of a father to fathers and to all of you today. Um, that's pretty obvious, but I'd like to speak to you from the perspective of a son from this perspective of a child, because you can't have a father first without there being a child, am I right? If I was wrong, then something's really messed up with the way that we're doing fatherhood. There can't be a fatherhood without there being a child to be fathered, okay? So I am, I just, with fatherhood and um, that on the horizon, I've, um, I like to just try to reflect on what I think fatherhood is. And I think I've got a pretty good picture just, sitting in the Bible of what fatherhood actually is. And I believe that fatherhood is reflecting the father within our children's lives. So reflecting our heavenly father within our children's lives. And I see a couple of nods from a couple of dads, and I think I'm on the right thing. Just as my father in heaven protects me, so too my father on earth protects me. Just as my father in heaven lovingly convicts me and brings conviction and turns me around, my dad lovingly smacked me on the butt and pointed me in the right direction. And just as my father in heaven lovingly picks me up when I fall down, so too when I scrape my knees, my dad would be there to pick me up. And I love my dad, but the, the, the hard thing about reflecting the father in heaven is um, it's hard to relate to a father not being a father. Or even being a father for a while, there's still so much we need to learn. And there's a, there's a big fear, I think, for every new father and for every father. And the biggest fear of parent, parentalhood is, am I a good dad? Am I a good mom? Am I good enough that my kids are actually going to turn out the way that I'd love them to turn out? Unfortunately, it is a choice for every young person, the way that they turn out. But the question is, am I a good father? And it doesn't help that it's, it's hard to relate to this idea of a heavenly father in heaven. And I think that's why, that's part of the reason why Jesus was actually sent. There's a lot of other things that Jesus taught us, but I think it actually, it helps us to reflect the father when we actually learn to reflect the son because we were all children before we were fathers. We understand being a child. We understand being a child of a father. So when Jesus came, we were able to say, you know what, actually, Jesus reflects the father in heaven and he does it perfectly. So if we're able to live a life like Jesus did and reflect what Jesus does, pretty sure that's a really good roadmap for being a good father. A bit of agreement across the place. Hey, by the way, I, I am a youth pastor. And um, just as Tom was saying before, it's even more so for me. If you like something that I'm saying, let me know. If you hate what I'm saying, I've got thick skin, you can heckle, okay? But yet, that's the biggest fear. And Jesus reflected the Father. And so if we're able to reflect Jesus in this world, then we're able to reflect the Father. And um, I just, I want to I touch on that a bit today. The person of Jesus. And some of the things that Jesus did in his life that we can learn to reflect. But also, sorry, there's, that light's dead. I'm going to stand over here. But also what we can be doing as children and heirs of the kingdom within this world. Is that all right this morning? Yeah. 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 Awesome. So we, are, we started in a, fe- a series called Ephesians at the start of this year. And we finished the series. We, it's not still running. But um, And in Ephesians, we had some amazing preachers from... New Spring, and from around, come and preach to us on Ephesians, and that there was one statement that was actually said in this series, Ephesians, that it just, it blows my mind to this day. It completely radicalized what I think of children, and it changed my perception, and actually, it really hurt to understand, and um, the statement was this, because of the fall and the saturation of the enemy in this world, no child is pure the way that God intended. We are a flawed race who from birth are tainted by sin. Now, please don't get up in arms and say children aren't pure and innocent. When I think of purity and innocence, I think of babies, I think of children. But what it's saying here is that we are tainted by sin from the moment that we were born. And in Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 5, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And I'm so glad that the story doesn't end that we were tainted by sin and we were doomed because Jesus was sent to die on the sin that we might have a relationship with father and actually be adopted into the kingdom of God. Just before this in Ephesians, Ephesians one, verses three to five, it says, praise be to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And see, right now I could easily regurgitate a sermon on the idea of adoption to sonship and we could go through the prodigal son and the fact that the father runs to meet us when we've been away from the father and as we come back and as we accept Jesus into our life as our Lord and Savior, the significance of coming back and that love. But I actually don't wanna touch on that today because I'm sure we all have a pretty good grasp on that. If you haven't heard the prodigal son sermon, you're guaranteed to hear it at least once to two times a year. But actually, I want to touch on the idea of authority and the idea of being heirs of the kingdom. Because who knows that um, if you're a parent in this place, your children carry your name, right? So they carry your name, and that means they carry your status. That means they carry the authority that you walk under. If you were a lord in Scotland, I don't know why I went to Scotland, but um, I guess heritage, but if you were a lord in Scotland and you had children, your children carried your name, which means they carried your authority. And if you were a peasant... means they carried no authority because your name carries no authority. But given that we were adopted as sons and daughters of the God most high, we have the authority and we have the name of the King of Kings. Does that make sense so far, yeah? So we've got the authority of the King of Kings and God reigns over this world. We know that to be true, but did you know that you don't just have that authority? You actually need to wield that authority in this world. If we're just existing in this world and we're just claiming that we've got authority but you're not wielding it, then you're useless. And you're not doing what you're actually made to be doing on this world. And you see, I, am, I, just, I need analogies and I need images in my head to be able to understand the idea of authority and how to use it because otherwise authority can so easily be misconstrued and misused. And I'm sure we've all seen that. Seen that in politics. People who get into a power, position of power and authority misuse it. And hence, I, I like to get an analogy that helps me relate it to the circumstances. So my analogy for today is, imagine that you're, that we'll just go with a king, princes and princesses and a king, right? When you were a prince or a princess, and you come under the authority of a king, when it gets to a certain age, you're going to be sent out to either lead battles into army, so armies into battle, or you're going to lead diplomatic missions, or you're going to carry the authority of the king when talking to other rulers. Okay? So the princes and princesses weren't just sitting idly, they were at use and they were being used. right? And just in the same way, we as children of God need to actually be used by the king. But a prince and a princess would not be sent out by the king under the authority of the king unless they were first competent in what they needed to train in. So if they were leading an army, they needed to train in the tactics of the army. If they were being diplomatic, they needed to train in diplomacy. I know diplomacy is something I have struggled with and it's something that I have to learn every single day because I am hot-headed and I, when it's go time, I go. But you need, they needed to train in the things of diplomacy. But if they weren't competent, then they weren't sent out. And please, never get this wrong. They never reigned with their own authority. They only used their authority that was given to them to extend the reign of the king. Now in the same way, we as children of God have been placed on this earth to extend the reign of our king. Now it's not an earthly reign, a reign of power and a reign of dominion and a reign of land and a reign of money. God's reign is a reign of love that every single one of his children might know him intimately. And if we want to extend his reign, then we need to train in the tactics of heaven. So that's where my sermon comes from. We need to train to reign. If we want to actually extend God's reign in this world, we need to be training in the things of God. And that's where it comes back to this person of Jesus. Jesus trained all the time in the tactics of heaven. Countless, countless, countless times. Somebody's counted it up, and you can go home and you can research that if you want, how many times Jesus is recollected to be praying in the Bible. He prayed overnight. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed late at night. He practiced healing. He practiced prophecy. He wasn't just idle and expected that when the time come, he would be ready to actually minister in the gifts. Did you know you need to practice the gifts? If you're not ready when the time comes, you're useless to the kingdom. So I know that's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a harsh word for a, uh, for a Father's Day, but I just wanted to get us Get us actually understanding that we need to train. So the tactics of heaven, what are the tactics of heaven? We're actually coming into a series about the Holy Spirit. And for the next few weeks, you're going to have some amazing preachers lined up. And I get the privilege of just starting it. But the tactics of heaven I actually wanted to start today is we need to train in prayer, in prophecy, in healing, in worship, in wisdom, in discernment, in speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. Has anybody got any understanding of the biblical principles and know what I'm talking about when I say all those words? Gifts of the Spirit, Corinthians 12. Simple as that. Corinthians 12, we can put that up on the screen. Now I'm reading from NLT, but I believe I've got the NIV behind me. From the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, interpretation of tongues. And then Corinthians 14 just says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of spirit, especially prophecy. Now, if it's spelled out in the Bible that we are given gifts, then that's something that we need to make sure we are wielding. So my challenge to you today, church, see, I love to leave a challenge. Is that okay? Can we leave challenge today? Awesome. My challenge is, are you wielding your God-given gifts or are you reserving them for others? Are we reserving speaking in tongues for the Pentecostal church down the road that loves to speak in tongues? Or are we reserving our gifts for the minister who we think you know what, they're spiritually in tune, they can, they can have the gifts. Are we reserving the gifts for those mature in faith? Because young people in this room, please let me tell you, there is no age cap on working in the spirit. There is no age gap to working in the spirit. It doesn't matter if you're spiritually mature, if you want to practice the gifts, start practicing the gifts. Or for goodness sake, are we reserving the gifts of the Holy Spirit for conference when we're all feeling a little bit spiritual? I don't want to be a conference Christian. I don't know about you. But we need to practice to extend God's reign. If you don't train, you cannot expect to be competent in praying in healing or prophesying. And I hope I'm challenging you today. If I'm not challenging you today, then I'm not doing a good enough job up here. But there's a very good reason, right, that every single one of us are different. It does say in the Bible that you will not inherit all the gifts, but that as God wills, you may receive gifts. So I believe that each of us are gifted in a different area. That does not mean that if you were gifted in prophecy, you cannot work in healing, because as God wills it, if you need to work in healing, you will work in healing. But if you picture, and sorry, I know I'm using a lot of medieval imagery today, but if you picture... Two armies going to battle, right? And one of them is foot soldiers with clubs and swords or whatever else you want to picture in your head. And one of them is an army of archers. Put them in an open plain, the foot soldiers will never get near the archers. Simple as that. They'll pick them off from a distance. Put them in a woodland, the archers have absolutely no chance because the foot soldiers will get close and the archers can't defend themselves when they're close. And much in the same way, we are an army of God. And Please never get this wrong. We are at war in this world. There are prince of powers and there are are demons that are in this world that we see every single week at youth group and people that walk in this building on a Sunday that I see within the local community at Kalamunda Senior High School, young people that are broken, old people that are broken. The devil has his grip on this world and he is squeezing and we are losing. And it's because we are not versed in the tactics of heaven. And I hope I'm challenging us all today with that, that we, are, we need to get versed in what God is doing. But there's a good reason we're different, because if it comes time for the healers to heal, but they have not practiced in healing, they have not trained in praying for healing and expectation for healing, and their first response when their son skins their knee, or when a bone is broken, or when a cancer Is discovered, if their first response isn't first to get on their knees before they send them to the doctor to get it checked out, then we're going to lose that battle and we're going to miss out. Same thing, if those that are prophetically gifted aren't spending time listening to the Lord and spending time on their knees so that they can discern between the whispers of the Lord and the noise of the world. And when it comes time for their prophetically gifted to speak out, we are gonna lose that battle if they have not trained. But today, I, I, I do wanna single somebody out and it's for a good reason. I love to single people out who actually encourage me, lift me up and who I actually, I admire to be like in the way that they, in the way that they work in the gifts and it's actually Dan Powell. And I'm sorry, I didn't tell him about this anything before I jumped up here. I catch up with Dan every fortnight, as much as I can, or if not weekly, and we have a coffee, and it is one of the highlights of my week because I get to sit with a man of God who trains in his gift. A couple, um, last year I believe it was, we did Ultimate Frisbee out in the car park, and we were playing Ultimate Frisbee, and I was going hard, and I was running, and the Frisbee was coming over, and I turned around, and one of our year nine boys, and he's a smaller dude, was running at me. We were both looking the wrong way, And I thought if I hit this kid and I run into him, he's probably going to be dead. So I jumped over the kid. Kid was fine. He went off. Um, But it meant that because I literally jumped over this kid, I landed on my elbow, popped it out and popped it back in. Sorry, big graphic for you. Dislocated it and my elbow was swollen like crazy. It was one of the most painful things that's happened. The next day I went and sat with Dan and I was meant to be on worship on Sunday morning. And I literally couldn't hold anything. I had the worst night's sleep because I had to lay with my arm in a certain position, propped up, and it sucked. And that morning, my arm was completely bent up and couldn't move. And I sat with Dan, and he said, we're going to continue to pray until that arm straightens. And literally, as I prayed, my arm, as he prayed, my arm began to straighten. Now, it didn't happen in the first two seconds of us starting to pray, but I know that the man is gifted in prayer and healing, and he practices, and he trains, and he challenges me every single time that we meet. Have you prayed about it? When we started to meet, I actually got a little bit annoyed because every time there was a decision that I'd come to him for advice with, he said, have you prayed about it? And it wasn't until it finally clicked, if I start doing what he said, I might actually get some outcome. But Dan, one, thank you. Because I know that there's a man that is ready in his gift to be able to minister. He's ready in his gift. But I I do want to say a statement that might... Change some people's mindsets, and might actually challenge us, or it might actually might might be a little bit too close to home. If I ask you what your gift is, and you say that you are gifted at talking to people, you're a people person. You're really lovely, or you're able to love people. Being good at something that's expected of you is not a gift. It's an expectation. We are expected to spread the gospel, to be good at talking to people, and to love people, to be kind. The gifts are spelled out here in the Bible. And if we're not working in them, then what's the world receiving? Because if they're just receiving kindness, but they're not receiving healing and prophecy, then we're missing out on the tactics of heaven. Now, please, don't stop being kind. I'm not telling you that at all. Don't stop being kind and loving, and don't stop spreading the gospel, because that is what we are called to do. But if we are not ministering in the Spirit, then we are missing out. Now, I know that was a little bit hard. Can we all take a little bit of a deep breath? I know I challenged us all a little bit on Father's Day. I love to challenge. But being Father's Day, it is important that I highlight some specific roles for fathers. And not just fathers, specific roles for parents as well and those mature in their faith. See, fathers, your children need training to be effective at ministering in the gifts. But that challenge again, you cannot help somebody train to reign if you don't first train yourself. I'm sure, Dave, you can probably reflect on times that when you were an apprentice and the guy that you were working under either had no clue what he was talking about or had every clue what he was talking about. If you've been an apprentice in this room and you're working under somebody, I see children as an apprentice. They learn, and it's learn from the way that we live, learn from the way that we do things. And if you're an electrical apprentice or a carpentry apprentice and you're under somebody who's got no clue what they're doing, they can't teach you how to be good. Tom knows that. He's an apprentice. I'm sure there's some days where he's like, Matt, come on. No, Matt is amazing and we know that. But we need to teach and train our young people in the spirit. And here's why. Because if they are not practicing the gifts of the spirit, they are practicing the things of this world. And this world is such a broken place. I don't want my young people and I don't want the young people of youth practicing the wrong things. And all props to you, church. The amazing thing is at Youth Group, we see amazing young people who actually do practice the gifts of the Spirit and do move in the Spirit. And they're not just static young Christians that just pray and just are nice people and believe in God. They are Christians who actually believe that God's power moves. And they move in it, they work in it. And that is how we need to be as Christians. But I need to get real for a moment. And this is, this is the saddest part of the message. But we live in a broken world and a world that sees far too many young people go without fathers and go without spiritual fathers. And I'm gonna say a statement right now that um, you're gonna just have to, it, it's pretty convoluted, but it makes perfect sense if you can catch on. So I'll repeat it if I need to, but just follow along with me. I believe until a believer has come to terms with their own understanding of the gospel and has an in-depth grasp on faith and their own personal relationship with Jesus rooted in an encounter with God, they are not a spiritual peer or brother. They are spiritual children. Are we following? Do I need to repeat that again? Read it again? Okay, just once more. I believe until a believer has come to terms with their own understanding of the gospel and has an in-depth grasp on faith and their own personal relationship with with Jesus, rooted in an encounter with God, they are not a spiritual peer or a brother, they are spiritual children. And children need directing, children need promoting, prompting, and correction. So dads, and for that matter, mums, your influence and your impact sh- can and should be so much bigger than the children that live under your roof. Because I'm not a father, but each and every week, I spiritually disciple and raise young people whose fathers are not present whose mums are not present, or they're not present for their kids spiritually. And I've I've got to take on that role sometimes to raise them because I'm somebody who is spiritually mature in my faith and I know where I stand with God. So our reach can, and it should be so much bigger than who's just just who's in our house. If you're within your local school, there are young people who need spiritual parents. If you are within your local community sporting club, there are young people who need spiritual parents. Parents who need dads. This world has a major problem with dads walking out on their kids and a major problem with dads who are not there for their kids. So being a spiritual parent is not just the job that happens at home when we're under our own roof. Being a spiritual parent is a full-time gig that we can actually bless others with and bless young people who just need a spiritual dad in their life. But as the worship team begins to come up, because they're gonna start cooking bacon soon. And if they start cooking bacon and I'm preaching, then we're gonna wrap it up really quickly. But I'd love to end by just recapping what we went through today. Um, Because I love to challenge, but if you forget the challenge before you leave, there's no point in me challenging you at all. So is that all right? I'll just recap. You are children of our Father in heaven, which means you have authority on earth. If you didn't know that, I really hope you know that now. And that means that when you speak, To the enemy, when you speak to demons, they do have to flee in Jesus' name. You have the authority of Jesus backing you. But that means that you also need to wield this authority correctly. And that authority is wielded through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Through prophecy, through healing, through speaking in tongues. I know speaking in tongues can seem pretty foreign, but it is a gift of the Spirit nonetheless. So we need to train in the things of our God to extend His reign. And when we train, it allows us to teach our kids to train. And this I know this concept of whatever you train in, you can teach your kids. It goes far beyond just training in the spirit, right? If we want our kids to be kind, train them to be kind by being kind. Like I'm sure every single person in this room gets that. But if we want our kids to minister in the Holy Spirit and actually minister in the gifts that he has given each of them, then we need to call those gifts out and we need to help them train. But first, we've got to train first ourselves and this puts them in the best place to succeed as young men and women of God, believe you me I see the amazing Francis and I love you guys because I see a young man in that road, Judson Francis who works in the spirit who is not afraid to pray for his friends and not afraid to stand up for his faith and he puts me to shame so many weeks at midweeks with his understanding of the Bible so keep it up Juddy, you keep it up as well when our young people can minister in the gifts, when we as fathers and mothers can spread our reach so far beyond our own family and be spiritual fathers to those broken families within our community, within our school community, within our sporting clubs, within our extended families. We're going to start taking ground back for the kingdom because we're an army, but we're an army that is losing this battle at the moment because the world is breaking kids. The world is breaking families and is breaking adults. Do you know you don't have to be a spiritual father to literal children. As I said, they are a spiritual child until they have their own grasp, in-depth grasp on faith an understanding of the gospel and a personal relationship with Jesus rooted in an encounter with God. That means an adult that is way older than me can walk in and I can still spiritually father them and raise them in the things of the spirit. So as we begin to worship, sorry, as we begin to praise, we're just going to finish this service with praise. I know I brought the mood real low down for Father's Day, but we're going to go out and have an amazing Father's Day. But as we begin to praise, I'd love you to reflect and go out into this week and reflect, pull yourself up on your gifts. And if you're sitting in this room and what I'm speaking about is foreign, you've got no clue and you're like, I actually have been walking so long with God, but I'm not sure what I'm gifted at please come talk to me. One, I'd love to put you in contact with Dave Ryder because Dave Ryder is talented at calling out gifts, very talented at calling out gifts. He has wisdom and discernment to say, you know what, this is actually where you are gifted. If not, I will put you in contact with people who just have the gift of wisdom and discernment who are gonna help you to figure out what you are gifted in. But if we go throughout our week and we are mundane Christians who are nice to people, who pray when we need to pray, who worship on a Sunday and just worship. And we might be, people might say there's something different about you which allows us to preach the gospel. But if we are not ministering in the gifts, then we are not pursuing the tactics of heaven and we will not take ground back for the kingdom. So guys, Corinthians 12 this week. Read it, soak it in. Honestly, soak it in and let's start to be a church that ministers in the gifts. I don't want that to be reserved for people who we think the Pentecostal church, they're the only ones that can speak in tongues. And I don't want it to be reserved for people who we think, oh, they're pretty good at healing, they've got good faith. All it takes is stepping out in faith to actually start that healing process. But God has gifted you, each and every one of you. You have authority in this world. And as fathers, Speaking of the dads in the room, I implore you, there are young people beyond your family who need you and who need you desperately.